that question because it's, it's this idea that it's not the question of are, are we as a body, as a building doing things right, but are we the body doing what we need to be doing on a daily basis, Monday through Saturday? Is it what matters? And as we look at uh, this I Love My Church series, we, we look at it from the perspective of twofold, which is this. One, how does the church respond in the culture and the society that we live in and, and show them God's love and show them how the Bible and what the Bible really says about being a Christian? One, that's, that's the first part about this series, which is the, the body, right? But, but we really can't do that unless we really understand the second part, which is how does it individually impact each and every one of us as a part of the body? And we ended last week talking about that, about that, the fact that we have many, we are a body with many members. And I, we talked about signing up and, and, and how we serve in the house. By the way, y'all did a fantastic job of, of stepping up and signing up. And, and so here's what we, I wanted to do is I wanted to do it one more week. So if you haven't signed up, if you were thinking about it, like, oh, maybe I want to serve here or I'm not sure where I want to serve, um, we wanted to do it one more week. So uh, if, if you're thinking like, man, I want to get involved, but I don't know how, I don't know where, just go look. And here's the thing, okay, here, if you're afraid, like, oh my gosh, if I sign up for greeting and I don't like it, what do I do? Like, I'm there forever now. No, you're not. Listen, if you don't like something, all you do is say, hey, I don't like people. Can you put me somewhere else? Can, can you put me somewhere behind where I don't have to, like, deal with people? You know, that, 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 that I don't know, I guess, I guess you could say TikTok or, or uh, Snapchat, or, but I, I only do Instagram and Facebook, so all I know is those reels and stuff. But, you know, the, uh, you see the one where the, the person's going, oh, no. What? People. You know, that one, like, listen, there are people that that's how you, that's how you deal with life. You're like, oh no, what? People, like run. Um, and that's fine. Maybe that's not your place, but maybe you're like, you know what? I want to stretch myself and that's what I want to do or, or connect us, which we're going to, um, we're revamping and, and, and going to get going again soon because we got to have a place where new people, when, when new people come that they know how to get involved. And that's what the connect us was initiated for was that there would be somebody there that says, Hey, we have that big sign that says new start here. And then they look at it and there's nobody there. And you're like, well, I don't Okay, that's kind of dumb. And right now it is. But when we have somebody there and they go, so tell me about freedom. And, and they're able to, to hand them the, you know, a card that says, hey, listen, here's, here's what we're about. Or, hey, here's, here's how, we get, how's, how we get involved. We're also revamping what we give them. Um, we're gonna, there's a, a little pamphlet book that uh, is really, really great that uh, Ark Church created. And they give out to every new person. And it's kind of like a, a, a you know, Christianity for, for dummies book. You know, it's like a fresh start. It's called, it says fresh start. And it just kind of gives them some, some where to start, where to go. Like, how do, how do I start living this life out? Some scriptures and some, some thoughts. It's a really great little uh, booklet. Um, but we want to refresh and revamp some of this. And it takes all of us. And so if you haven't found your place, if you're looking for some, go look at the signups and sign up. Uh, and we're going to be getting in contact. I was telling uh, Kendall earlier because she has been, her and Cole and Sky have been kind of like uh, some of the biggest main mainstays of our media department. And I was telling Kendall, I was like, we've got enough people to run every week, a different team that signed up. And so that is amazing. That is great. Um, and, and be able to get like, the goal is never to overwork you, but to make you enjoy when you serve. Cause you're not volunteering. You're, you're, you're serving. There's, there's an eternal purpose for what we do here. You know, the, the people that serve in the back, 
If, if my mic didn't work or the media didn't work, we're, we're, we're disconnecting your connection with Jesus because now you're confused and now you're focused on other things. If, if, if there's not somebody there greeting you at the door, you feel like there's a little bit of a, a cold distance um, in the church. And so every person plays a vital role that serves the kingdom. And then it really gets you excited about serving God outside of the church. When you, when you get here and you're like, oh, this is so fun. You're like, I can do this outside. I can, I can talk to people. I can greet people. I can, I can share my faith with others. I love the way Craig Groeschel, uh, if you don't know who he is, he is an amazing pastor out of Oklahoma. Um, he, Life Church, which is a massive church. They've got like, I don't know, 40 campuses nationwide. Um, I think they're like one of the top largest churches in America. If you add up all of their uh, campuses, they're like 50,000 people or something like that, uh, that that call Life Church home. And that's like the people that show up. Then they have all of the, they're the first church. <laughs> You're all gonna laugh. This is not Camden. Camden will never do this. We will never do this. I don't even know how to operate this, okay? It's just outside of my world that I would want to. But Life Church was one of the first churches to do the metaverse church. Like, I don't even know what you do with that. They actually have a pastor that puts on VR and greets, <laughs> listen, welcome to the year 2020, whatever we're in, it feels like 3,040, okay? Um, but they'll put on a VR headset and they, and, and they will invite people and, and people that are sitting at home, maybe they're afraid of people, oh no, people, right? And so, but they are like, I wanna go to church too. So instead of just going online and watching, they put on their VR stuff and they show up in the VR metaverse and go to church. And there's a whole church, like it's a whole church. They have a screen where you watch everything. And listen, I know it's, it's way outside of my world, but I watched a little bit of some. I'm like, they had people get saved the very first week they did it. And it's funny to me, like, because it's not funny that people get saved. It's awesome people get saved. But it's funny to me because, like, when Craig Groeschel is preaching and he's up on the screen in the metaverse and the pastor's up on the, on the stage corner and he's like this little... Anybody else think that, like, we've got so much technology, but the little metaverse guy is still, like, these two little round oval-looking things and hands are disconnected from the body and, you know, it's like 1980s person still... And it's a, and, and Craig's, you know, it's like, man, if you've never made that decision or you want to recommit your life to Christ, if you'll just raise your hand. And in the top corner of this, there's like six people in their little metaverse church. And you see this little hand just, this little disappear from a body and, and raise up. <laughs> and I'm like, how awesome is that? Like, it's funny. I'm dying laughing, but it's like hilarious. Like, to me, it's hilarious and yet amazing. Like somebody who maybe would have never stepped into church for their fear of people, had an experience with Jesus in their own home, that the hope is, the goal is not to keep them there, but to progress them to the point where they want to actually go to the church. Well, Rochelle says this. He says, to reach people no one is reaching will do things no one is doing. The church has, has kind of gotten in this, this rut as a, a body, that, as a unit, as a big C church, that, that we expect people to come to us. Like we, you know, the field of dreams mindset. If you build it, they will come. Can I tell you, there's a lot of people that could care less that we're here. They just don't. I mean, that church is not a part of the thing. Jesus is not their thing. And the only way they're ever gonna experience is if we go and we meet them where they're at. And we go and we, and we live out life in front of them and we, we experience God in the marketplace and at your workplace and in your friend groups that maybe you're the only Christian in that group. I wanna reread Matthew 28, 19 through 20, which we read last week, right? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit 
Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The goal is to go. The goal of what we do here today is so that we get excited, we get encouraged, we get challenged, and we get equipped to live our faith out Monday through Saturday. Brian Houston, another um, major pastor in the world, um, he was one that I really learned a lot from growing up in in my faith. Uh, He would say this, I want to preach on a Sunday that impacts your Monday, your Wednesday, and your Saturday. That's my goal as a pastor. I want to preach to your Monday, your Wednesday, your Thursday, your Saturday. I want to preach to the things that you live in because it's real easy to be comfortable and to know Jesus in this environment. But what about when you're the only one? What about when you've walked through a really hard day? How do we live it out? I love this, is that Jesus' command was, therefore, go and make disciples and baptize. Can can I challenge you with this? And and not that I'm going to stop ever baptizing or preaching the gospel. That's not not trying to make my job easier. I'm trying to commission more people. (laughs) Like, did you know that you can baptize people? Well, I don't have a pastor's license. Therefore, go. Nowhere in there did it say, go get your pastoral license. You know what's the crazy part? Jesus would not be hired at most churches. Think about that. I want to give you some laughter in your life. Go home and Google church finder or pastor finder. You know, it's like monster for pastors. If you know what the website monster is, it's the job finding, you know, they have those for, for the church world as well. Um, when I would get really upset being uh, fully uh, on full-time staff for the last 13 years before I launched this church, when I would get mad in my office, that's what I would go to. <laughs> I'd sit at my office in my church and I'd, where else could I go serve? <laughs> Who pays better? <laughs> you know. Uh, listen, if you, if you don't think we're petty in the church world, yes, we are. We need Jesus just as much as, as anybody else as a pastor, okay? When my senior pastor or somebody would make me mad, I'd go, listen, I'm, I know I'm valuable, okay? <laughs> well, find me another church, Pastor Ed. Um, I never did because I, I also trust Jesus to tell me where to go. But, you know, here's the thing is that the funny part about it is I always would laugh because a lot of these churches would be like, youth pastor must be good with teenagers. Well, that's a good start, Right? Uh, must have this, this, and this, must uh, have at least this many years' experience and a doctrinal degree in seminary. Hmm. Well, I'm out. And so is Jesus. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Jesus couldn't be a youth pastor in a lot of these churches. That's crazy to me. Now, listen, I think there's value in making sure that somebody knows what they're doing. I think there's value in knowing that they're being called to be a leader and they've been trained to be a leader. But you know that you can do that inside the four walls and train people. That's, that's, that's our goal here. Look, I don't, I don't need, if, if somebody walked in this door today and said, well, I've got a four-year seminary degree and a doctorate and this, that, and the other, I'd be like, well, get in line with the people that we've already been building up. Because your degree doesn't make you more valuable, your heart does. Your, your willingness to serve the community, to serve Jesus and to serve your church, that is far more valuable than any piece of paper that you will ever get. And that's no knock to people that, are, are, uh, that have gone on to higher education. But listen to me. I don't, I don't need a paper that tells me you know how to deal with people. I need to see it in action. And that's what Jesus calls us to do. 
just go and live it out. Go, therefore, and make disciples and baptize. If, if you're with people and, and, and you're starting to build their faith up and they're like, man, I really think I should be baptized. Well, I'll talk to my pastor. No, just take them down to the river. <laughs> this may be scary. Get, get them to a pool. You know, maybe it's a little cleaner that way. I don't know. You're at the lake, you know, just baptize you. Oh, listen, it's real simple. You ever need to baptize somebody? It's real simple. Do you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you want to make a difference in the world around you for Jesus? Yes. Okay, because of that, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Dunk them. Make sure they come back up. Don't keep them underwater too long. Bring them up. Pray for them. It's that simple. We, we, we make church way harder than it needs to be. We're called to go. We're called to make a difference, each and every one of us. Now, listen, I do believe that pastors are valuable. I believe that leadership is valuable. But it is not replaced with you not doing anything. We believe here at Freedom Church that it is our purpose to help every person know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. We don't want people to just come and sit and watch. We want people to be active in their faith to live it out every single day. Um, I want to give you just something that, that really encouraged me. And, and listen, it was like I, I was telling our, our uh, dream team this morning during our huddle that uh, it was like this week I had like three or four different people tell me like they're just their value in the church. Like, and it was really cool. Like I went to one house and they're like, man, church has been really good the last few weeks. I'm like, I really agree. And it's not that we've done anything different. I think that we're coming into a season where people are getting excited and people are showing up and going, hey, let's do this thing. Um, I got a call on Monday from another person and saying, hey, listen, I just want to let you know that the that, that, that church has been great and these people are coming and, and, and I just wanted, I thought you needed to be encouraged. I was like, man, that's awesome. And then Friday, at first Friday, I ran into somebody who, uh, had, him and his wife visited the church a couple of times, and we were just talking about life and, 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 and things in general. And uh, he said, I just want to let you know. He goes, me and my wife have, have literally visited every church in Camden. Like, that's a lot of churches. 114, remember last week? <laughs> he said, we have visited every church in Camden. They're, they're a split family. He lost his wife years ago and got remarried. And he said, my church, there was some, you know, struggles there with her church. There were some struggles. And he, and he said, he said, listen, he goes, we went and we tried every church. And my wife looked at me this week and, and, and we were talking about church. And she goes, you know, the only place I felt comfortable was freedom. Listen, as a pastor, like it makes me want to do like cartwheels and, and backflips. I can't do that. I'll bust my head. <laughs> this body don't do that. <laughs> I could do cartwheels, <laughs> backflips, nah, we good. Um, but that's like inside, that's how I felt. And, and it's not like to blow my head up because listen, this is not about me. Like I didn't do this. If it was me, it would be a shipwreck. We'd be going down and I'd be standing on the stern going, Jesus, take the wheel, right? But it's not. It's because we as a family have said there is a culture of church and a culture of Christianity that we are going to, uh, to create here and we are going to do it to the best of our ability and we're always going to learn and we're always going to grow but we're going to keep Jesus the main thing and we're going to point people to him and we are going to make a difference. And let me tell you something. One of the greatest things that I love to hear is when people go, man, I feel welcomed at your church. I, I, I love it when people say, I don't know, there's something about it but everybody just seems to be so friendly there. It's nothing, like I said, it's nothing about me because literally that literally means that they've met other people before they've met me. 
Most of you made the decision to, to stay here and it had nothing to do with me. It had to do with people. It had to do with interaction. It had to do with everything other than the preaching because by the time I got up, you've already made up your mind whether you were going to stay. So what are the two core values that we're going to talk about today? Right? We're on core value five and six. And the first core value is this, is that as a church, we want to be known for what we are for. We want to know, but I want to be known as a church that is known for what they are for. What does that mean? It means simply this, is that I believe that so many times as a church, we preach against what we're against. To the point to where we think that talking about Jesus is talking about the things that we're against. Where we, where we talk about, you know, uh, sin more than grace. Where we talk about our failures more than the wins. Where we talk about the hardships and the heartaches and, and, and the tough moments rather than all the things that God has got you through and the, and the battles that God has overcome in your life and, and, and simply about Jesus who died on the cross and it had nothing to do with you in the first place. So many times we're so focused on that. It's funny because when, when, when you start a church, a lot of people want to know, well, what you're about. Are you, especially when you're from California and you move to Camden. They want to know if you're some fruity liberal dude. Y'all think I'm joking. Like, <laughs> listen, uh, you know how many times I've heard, I'm not letting some guy from California tell me about Jesus. Like Jesus is out there going, hello, everybody. <laughs> Come to my church. <laughs> Ow, that hurt. I need to stretch more before I preach. Like, like Jesus is completely different on the West Coast. And he might be. But when you go to a church that really loves you, it's the same. Like, listen, Jesus wasn't a Western uh, culture thing. Jesus was an Eastern culture thing. He started in Israel. He is a Jew. And so the, the core and the heart of it isn't a South thing, a North thing. It's not even an American thing. It is a kingdom thing. And so when we talk about being known, I want to be known for kingdom business and not for just the things we're against. Listen, people always know where the church stands on certain things. But it's, and, and it's not that I shy away from it. It's not like, well, oh, you're one of those guys that's just like grace on grace on grace. No, like I believe in God's grace, but I also believe in God's justice and, and his sovereignty. I don't get to make up my viewpoint of the world. I allow Jesus to do that for me but I'm not going to run around as a Christian and go, oh, sinners are going to hell. Oh, what's your sin? Sinner going to hell. What's your sin? Oh, sinner going to hell. Oh, yeah, definitely going to hell. <laughs> I remember going to Acquire the Fire, which was a youth uh, weekend conference, and there would always be like a handful of people out there that would be, they, they thought that the Jesus conference was, uh, the, all the kids were going to hell. Um, and they would have signs out there and it would be, it would be, you know, all the stupid stuff that you see at all the other things, you know, uh, God hates fags. Like what? <laughs> Don't think that's how Jesus says things. Uh, you know, or, or, you know, <laughs> you're all sinners. It's like, <laughs> State the obvious, but how, how about give them some truth? You know, here's the problem is that, is that when the church is known more for what they're against, people aren't going to show up. I'm judged automatically. I'm condemned automatically. I'm not loved. 
I don't feel like there's hope in my life. I don't feel like there's grace for the struggles that I've walked through. So I walk in and I hear all the ways that I'm already bad. Hey, listen, I'm not shying away from what Jesus says. Jesus says we are all sinners and we have all missed the mark. And if without him, we would all get the due justice that we are deserved, which is eternity away from him. Hell is not evil because it's fire and brimstone and this guy with pointy ears and a pitchfork. It's hell because it is eternity away from the glory and the purpose and the presence of God. That's why hell is hell. And that's why heaven is so valuable. It's not because you're going to get a mansion made of gold and, 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 and streets laid of gold and, and all of that stuff. And it, it's none of that. It is literally being able to spend eternity in a place that is full of peace, love, joy, and his very presence. I want to be known for what we're for. I want to be known as a church that runs to God, that seeks him, which means that we naturally run from the things that don't please the Father. See, here's the thing. I can preach all day about sin, or I could preach about Jesus and point people to Jesus, and what will naturally happen is when you fall in love with Jesus and you run to him, you will naturally walk away from the things that are holding you back and holding you down and the sins that are entangled in your life. Because you, you, you can't really do both. When you fall in love with Jesus, those things start to peel away. Sometimes it's overnight. Sometimes it's a process. That's why discipleship is so important. It's a process of getting closer to Jesus with people. You look at 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 13. It says this, but you, this is Paul speaking to his, his uh, men, uh, he's a mentor to Timothy. He says, but you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tight to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. And I charge you before God who gives life to all and before Christ Jesus who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate. I want to be known for what I'm pursuing. This is what Paul is saying. He tells Timothy, pursue God and his love and his righteousness and his purpose and his passion and, the, and all the things that God is, is, is telling you to run after. Listen, all these other things are going to run away. If you're, if you're dealing with sin, if you're dealing with things in your life, maybe you've got an addiction. Maybe you've got uh, something that's holding you back. Maybe you're dealing with depression or overwhelmed anxiety. If you run to Jesus, here's the problem. We focus on the issues instead of giving the issues to Jesus. And we make the issues the core value of our life, and we label ourselves, well, this is what I am, and so I have to focus on it. Instead of pointing myself to Jesus and the cross and saying, God, I know that you can overcome these struggles and these sins and these addictions and these uh, anger issues and, and whatever it is in your life. Stop focusing on the issue and start focusing on the Jesus that can overcome the issue. Because when you focus on the issue, you always will focus on the negative and you will always be, be overwhelmed with making the steps that you need to take spiritually. You got to take steps, and it may be small steps, it may be big steps, it, you may overcome overnight. Sometimes it's like that. God just says, says here, we're going to take this away. Sometimes it's a process. But just like Paul says to Timothy, listen, run from the evil things. How do you do that? By running to righteousness and a godly life. Faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight. This is not a pacifist belief. Well, I'll just sit back and God will do his thing. No. 
You got to fight the good fight. You got to put in the work. You got to pray when you don't feel like it. You got to read his word when you don't feel like it. You need to go to church when you don't feel like it. You need to get around people that are going to challenge you and encourage you when all you want to do is be alone. Listen, when you feel isolated, you need to call somebody and be like, hey, I want to be alone, which means that somebody probably needs to hang out with me. Now, there's times where you need to be alone and you need to be alone, but you know the difference. When that overwhelming sense of of depression or or whatever it is starts to envelop you and you go, hmm, I will sit here and I will will let this develop to where it's an unhealthy negative in my life and it'll push me away from Jesus. Or I run to Jesus. I run to his presence and I run to, to the purpose that he has for my life. And it's not that we're perfect. It's that in the process, God is doing something. I want to be known for what I'm pursuing. What is the heart? desire of a believer, their passion, what drives them, what pleases God. That is what the world should know about us. I don't want them to go, oh, there's those Jesus people. They hate us. And that's why people don't go to church. Mm, They hate us. Who's Who's the us? We all used to be the us. If you love Jesus and you have asked him to come into your life and you've asked him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, at one point you were the us. You haven't done anything special. Jesus wasn't like, well, now you're in the in crowd. You're the cool kids. Jesus says that his heart's desire, God says, my heart's desire is that all would come to know me. Well, how do they do that? They see people living it out and choosing Jesus, pursuing him, and being known for what we are for rather than what we are against. My favorite scripture, well, my favorite, my life scripture, I should say, I don't know. Yeah, I guess you could say it's my favorite scripture. Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. I, in other translation, it says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel, the word gospel literally means good news. Isn't it interesting that, to me that we, we say we are gospel people and then the first things that are out of so many Christians' mouth is the negative. I'm unashamed of the gospel. You're a sinner. What, like, wait, that's not the good news. The good news is there's a savior the good news is there's somebody who, is, who has literally said, the Bible says, formed you in your mother's womb, knew it, that you had a purpose, knew that you had a plan. There's a plan for your life. And God knew it from the moment that before you could ever think, dream, believe that you were existent, God had a dream for you. On the cross, he saw your face. He saw your sins. He saw your hurts. He saw all of this and still chose you. Well, We get it wrong when we say, I need to choose Jesus. Jesus already chose us by coming and living a sinless life and dying on the cross. All he asked is, follow me. He didn't say, choose me. He said, follow me. We don't get to choose him like our favorite color of Starburst. Pink, by the way. If it's not pink, you're not saved. Just letting you know. Like that, sinners are like every other color. Okay? Pink. Okay, Get, get on a godly level. Say, red's okay, but pink. Red's like, if there's no more pinks, then you go to red. And then after that, you just throw them all away. Um, the greatest invention ever made was the uh, uh, Starburst all red packs. And then they were like, they even got even better. They're like, you know what? People just like the pinks. And they made the all pink packs. And that's like my favorite. That's like the holy of holies. Okay? <laughs> so the, 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 the reality is that it's the, like, if you want to talk about the good news, like that, it's, it's kind of like that. It's like opening up a Starburst pack and seeing a whole bunch of oranges and yellows. And you're like, I, I can't stand this. Why did I even spend money on this? Why did I waste my time? 
That's how people think about church a lot of times. Why did I waste my time on church? Because when I opened it up, it was just a bunch of sour, nasty flavored people. Think about that. Think about when you ask somebody to go to church, what's their thought process? I don't know. I've tried that. You know how many times I've heard that since moving to Canada? Listen, I've, I, I love God, but I've tried church. I'm hurt. They've done me wrong. They've, they've judged me. They've condemned me. Now, some of that's on them because guess what? The part of growth is being challenged. It's, it's when we look at each other, but it's, it's being invited in. It's saying, hey, will you, I'm inviting you into my life. And so that we can walk together and you're going to help me out with the things that I'm struggling with, even if I don't want to hear it sometimes. But you got to be invited in. You can't judge somebody from afar and expect them to change. I want somebody to know, ah, there's the church that shows God's love. They speak the truth. We're not going to change the truth. The Bible is the Bible. We're not going to change the truth, but we're going to show it in a way that God shows his grace, mercy, and love, invites them in so that they can hear God's word to be challenged and changed. Even the core of what we live and tell people is literally the good news. That's what I want to be known for, the good news of the gospel. So what is it? What happens when you are a person and a church that is known for what we are known for? A couple of things happen. First of all, being known for what you're known for gives us a foundation of truth. When you, are, when you know what you're for rather than just what you're against, there's a foundation of truth. One of the reasons why I can't stand politicians is because they always want to tell me why the other side sucks, not why they're good. Right? When they debate, it's not like, oh, here's my plan and here's how we're going to do it and I really do it. It's always like their plan sucks. Then when you're like, well, what's your plan? Well, it's not their plan. (laughs) I didn't ask you that. I asked you what your plan is. Well, my plan is to do whatever they're not doing. Like, they, they don't want to tell you because they don't have a plan. They'd rather just tell you why the other people are no good. God says, when you know the foundational truths of Jesus, you, you don't have to go around telling people why, why, why their life sucks. You walk around telling them why your life is great. I don't have it all together, and there are days that are horrible. And you know what? It's okay not to be okay sometimes, but I know a God that walks with me even in the worst days. I know a God that gives me purpose even when I don't feel it. I know a God that covers me in love. And you know what? Because of that, I walk with my head a little bit higher. I walk with purpose, and I walk with the intention to change the world around me. It gives us a foundational truth. It also gives you this. It gives you influence. Knowing what you are for will give you influence that knowing, telling people what you're against won't. Because when you know what you're for, you, you have this inside of you to be able to say, this is why I'm for it. Not just what I'm for, but why I'm for it. And people will go, you actually believe this. <laughs> I mean, how many times have you heard somebody go, yeah, I love God, and then you look at their life and you look how they speak and you go, hmm, you don't believe that. That don't, doesn't mean you have to articulate it with your mouth. But when somebody's for God, like there's a difference. Like that, you, oh man, like you're, you're for God? Like you, act, you believe this stuff. Like you, you really believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. Like you live, like so sometimes you could just like walk into a room and they're like, what's wrong with you? Because <laughs> you're smiling and you care about the day and you're, they're like, there's something wrong with you. Like, you on drugs? <laughs> I'm on Jesus. And it's not that every day is perfect. It's not that every day is this walking in the flowers, but it's, I know 
that my days are not defined by how I feel or the emotions. It's defined by a God that loves me. And, and because of that, it changes my outlook and my perspective on how I live. When I know what I'm for, I have influence in people's lives because I can say, hey, listen, I know that he did this in me. My testimony says this is what God did. And if he did it for me, he can do it for you because I am nobody special. I just know the God who has made me special. Being known for what you are for will give you purpose. Instead of chasing your tail, like every day is a new day, I'm just going to figure out something. What am I doing today? I don't know. Hey. Don't fall. Purpose says I wake up every day with, with, with my vision focused on doing the right thing. And it's not a job. It could be a part of what you do. It, it, it's, it's, it's not like checking the check boxes. It's, it's literally waking up and saying, how can I show off the kingdom of God today? I've got a purpose, and my purpose is Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples and baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we would build the kingdom. So everywhere you go, your purpose is simply that. Live it out so that others would see the God in you. That is our ultimate purpose as Christians. And so we have a purpose. And with that purpose, we have the next thing, which is we have a witness and a testimony. You have a story. And I think one of the, the, the biggest letdowns of, of, of being a Christian and being in a church is when we realize or when we don't realize that we have a story. You have a, you have a story that God is working and weaving each and every one of you. It's different. And if we all had the same story, it would be really boring. Because here's the deal. How does somebody, listen, I can't speak to the drug addict. I can speak to them God's truth, but I can't tell them what they've walked through. I can't. I've never done that. I've never done a drug. How can I tell them I know what they're walking through? I have no clue what they're walking through. But the drug addict that has come out of that lifestyle and knows Jesus, man, they can go, I know what that feels like, and I know the other side of this, and I've got a purpose, and I can tell you that there's nothing like being connected to Jesus compared to any drug. I, I don't know what it's like to walk through divorce, and, and, and I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just saying I don't know what it's like. And so I can give you all the biblical advice and all the wisdom and guidance as a pastor and as a friend, but I don't know the hurt and the heartbreak that you had to walk through and what God had to do on the other end of that to make you whole and healthy. See, each and every one of you, you have a story, and you can hide the story, or you can show off the story to the world and say, look, I was broken, and I was hurting, and I've had faults in my life, and I knew that there were things in my life that weren't right, and look what God has done with me. You each have a story. The last thing I wrote down for what we're known for allows you to do is it invites to speak on the things we are against. You know what's amazing is when you share more about what you're for, people will be willing to listen to what you're against and why. When I was at Alita, we had a couple of, uh, of um, gay, lesbian, I don't know what you, females that like females, right? Lesbian, right? Um, and they tried, to, they tried to corner me in this, right? Because everybody knew I was a pastor, and they'd be like, so, you hate us, don't you? <laughs> I just, at, one, at some point in my life, I would just want to go, yeah, I do. 
just to see the response. <laughs> like, I don't, but like, if that's what you expect from me, I just want to see your jaw hit the floor one time. But I'm like, well, Jesus wouldn't like that, so I don't say it. No. <laughs> Why would you think that? Well, because you don't like us. And I'm like, no, that's, that's not true either. You know, I can like you as a person and not be for what you're for. And there's a vast difference. Because I'm not attacking the person, I'm attacking the lifestyle that is against the word of God. It's not saying you are a horrible person. It's saying that I believe that the lifestyle you live doesn't line up with the belief that Jesus has put inside of me, and I know Jesus to be true. And so if I believe Jesus to be true, then I have to be willing to understand what he says is holy and righteous and aligning up with his word. And it has nothing to do with you. Matter of fact, I want you to experience Jesus just like I did. And you know what? You can be gay and walk in this church. You, 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 can, you can be high as a kite and walk into this church. You could, you could smell like you just stepped out of a, a pool full of beer and walk into this church. I don't care if you can walk in looking like you have it all together, a million bucks driving uh, whatever high name uh, vehicle you want, and you're going to be treated the same. You know why? Because Jesus didn't call us to judge people by how they look or the lifestyle they're in, but to point them to a Jesus that wants to show them his love and his compassion and that through that they would come to know his realness and that the things that we would say we're against, that that would be shown in their own heart that they would go and live it out themselves. I don't clean the fish. Heck, I don't even catch the fish. I just try to show the fish where the true hook is. My job isn't to clean you up, make you look like me. Lord, you all want to look like me? It's a beautiful feeling. I only have to do my hair once a week, Saturday night. And then I'm done for the week. Listen, I, I don't want people to look like me. I wish I had hair. Um, I want us to be able to use, listen, I know I use Sean a lot because Sean is literally like the, the anti-me in that sense. You know, like if you put me and Sean on a, on a poster, like it's, it's night and day. But that's what Jesus, he, Jesus didn't come to change our personality. He came to change our purpose. He came to change the, the heart of who we are inside, the struggle between uh, the, the sin and the Savior. It had nothing to do with how we look or, or our personalities. Like this, this perfect cookie-cutter Christianity that America has made has actually made it worse for Christians because we think that if you walk in with a suit and tie, you're closer to Jesus. That is a flat-out lie. How you look doesn't determine your belief or your faith. It's what God is doing on the inside that matters. And we should be a church that's known for what we're for. You know, most people who make history, change culture, and truly live aren't talked about in terms of what they were against, but what they were for. Think about it. Look at history. Great men and women that we still talk about to this day. We don't talk about the fact that Neil Armstrong didn't get on the spaceship and go to the moon. We talked about the fact that he did. What was he for? He was for space travel. We don't talk about great presidents and in, in what they didn't do right. We talk about all the things that they did do right. Shouldn't we talk about Jesus and Christianity the same way? Share the things that make a difference and watch people change. All right. I promise you my second 
core value is a lot shorter. That was most of it. But I really want us to understand that I think if, if, if we are not a church that we're known for what we are for, we really lose sight of the gospel, which is the good news. And the second or the sixth core value, the second of today is this. And I, I'm going to let you know up ahead of time, I stole this one. This is not a core value that I created. We will do anything short of sin to reach people for Christ. And I truly believe this. Matter of fact, when I first heard this core value from Craig Rochelle at Life Church, I was like, when I start a church, this will be one of our core values. Because I want people to understand that, yes, we will go to the very line of where sinners are because we know where we were before we knew Jesus, and we will get them there. That's why Jesus led us to the scripture in Luke that says that, you know, we'll leave the 99 and chase after the one because we need to always be reminded that at one point we were the one. At one point we were the one that they needed somebody to chase after us and show us Jesus. Jesus did the unconventional things to show God's love, compassion, grace, mercy, and truth to the world around him. You know how many times Jesus was called names and called things because he did things outside of the religious way? All the time. Matter, matter, listen, listen. I love the story, right? So Junior's demon-possessed. <laughs> He's like, yep. You sit on the front row, you get used, okay? Um, so, so, so he's like, I want to go to the back. <laughs> so, so he's demon-possessed, and Jesus comes into a church service, and he's like, he, he, he casts the demon out of Junior. And the church leaders go, he must be from the devil. Kid you not, this is, look, look, if you don't believe me, go read your Bible. Jesus walks into the synagogue. There is a demon-possessed man. He casts the demon out of the man, and the church leaders go, he's demonic. And Jesus, listen, they don't say this. They think this, right? So they're thinking this because heaven, if they said that, they would, you know, they're about to get, they think, oh, man, he's going to hit us up. He does it anyways because he's Jesus. And he says, I, he knew what they were thinking. And he looked at the leaders of the church and he said, how could the kingdom of darkness cast out the kingdom of darkness? Only the kingdom of light can attack that which is dark. And, and, and so Jesus all the time was being told, oh, you can't do this and you can't do that. And he's all, listen, if it brings people to God, I'll do whatever the heck I need to do. He's our leader and he's our example. Let me give you a story and then I'll give you what we learn. How many have ever heard of Zacchaeus? A few of you. He's a wee little man. That's why I, I, I like him. Because I'm a wee little man. Zacchaeus, he was a short dude. That's what he's known for. Luke 19, 1 through 10. Okay, it says this. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector. Remember what I've talked about tax collectors? They were very much hated by everybody, Jew and Gentile alike. They just, they were hated people. He was the chief one. So he was like the tax collector boss. Like he made good money in the region. And he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was short. If you're short, you understand. How many like go to the parade? If you're short, you got to get there hours ahead of time before everybody else, okay? And then that one tall person finds that one little spot in front of you and you're like, really, dude? I will take your knees out and I have no problem doing it. I'll bite your ankles like a chihuahua, okay? Here's Zacchaeus. He's ready to bite some ankles. He was too short to see over the crowd. 
So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and enjoy. Now listen, look at what the people did, right? But the people were displeased. Why? He has gone to be the guest at a, not just a sinner's house, a notorious sinner's house. Like he wasn't just a sinner. That man was bad sinning. They grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save that which is lost. Zacchaeus understood that it had nothing to do with the posture of the outside. It had everything to do with the posture of the inside. That man was trying not to miss the parade. And he abandoned his stature. Remember, he's rich. How many rich people you know go climb trees to see parades? No, they buy the parade so it comes by their house. Okay? That's what rich people do. Like, they pay for the parade, and then they get a seat at the greatest spot, and they watch the parade. This man was short, and he was rich, and he said, I'm going to uh, unashamedly climb a tree, so that, not so that Jesus can see me, but so that I can see Jesus. And Jesus sees him in that willingness and that passion to just see him. Not, not, not get a moment with him, not, hey, can, Jesus, can we have dinner? Like, he didn't want, he just wanted to see this Jesus. Jesus stopped and he said, Zacchaeus, I got to have dinner at your house. I hope you cook well. And Zacchaeus gets down and he's excited and he's joyful. He's like, oh my gosh, Jesus saw me. Jesus picked me. I'm like the last person anybody would pick and yet he picked me. And what happened? Everybody gets mad. You out of all the people here that you could pick to have dinner with, out of all the people that are religious and righteous and, and do the right things and look the right ways, out of all the people, you pick Zacchaeus, this notorious sinner? And Jesus says, yep, because he's going to help change the world. Because he was willing to do what nobody else would do to experience me. And when we take Zacchaeus' model and we apply it to our individual lives and our church, then we say, what are we willing to do that maybe nobody else is doing? And I've, I've shared with you stories of stories of things of things. Listen, we haven't even really scratched the surface of outside-the-box thinking that we really could do. We've done, like, simple things, like let's have a Bible study at a brewery. Like, that's not even, like, hardcore <laughs> And you know how many churches talk about that? And I'm not saying that in a, in like, oh, look who they're talking about. Like, but just as a pastor in the community, like they don't even know that it's our, like I represent that church and like they'll talk about it. And I'm like, yeah, it's pretty cool, ain't it? <laughs> one, one, I had one, one elder at another church go, yeah, it's kind of cool, but our church could never do that. Why? Because they're more concerned with the people declaring them to be notorious sinners than being close to Jesus. Because we're too concerned with how we may be looked at by the other believers rather than building the kingdom. I will use the people that nobody else will use to change the world. 
And that's not me saying that. That's, that's what Jesus said. Like Jesus took like 12 fishermen and, and, and sinners and tax collectors and he said, hey, follow me. And, and they were not who you would pick. He, didn't, he should have walked to the seminary and he should have said, Who's, who, okay, which one of you is studying to be kids minister? Okay, I need like two of you. All right, which one's studying to be youth pastor? Okay, I need two of you. Hey, which one of you really feel brave and you're gonna be the lead pastors? Okay, like four of you because you're gonna have to corral all these crazy people. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we need somebody with an admin blessing. He said, no, no, no. He went to the fishermen. By the way, they were smelly. They were rough. They, did, they, they were uncouth. <laughs> like they did not like get life very well. They fought each other. He went to the tax collector that nobody hated, Matthew, right? Or, or nobody liked. He went to Matthew and said, come follow me. He went to the people that would give everything for the kingdom. And here's Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus climbs a tree and he says, I don't even care if Jesus recognizes me. I just want to experience him. No different than the lady with the issue of blood. 12 years struggled with a medical condition. And she didn't even want Jesus, like she didn't want to bother Jesus. Like Jesus, I, 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 need, I need to have some prayer time, but I don't, I don't want to bother you. And, and all she did, there's throngs of people touching Jesus. And she just like gets on her knees and like tries to like, I can imagine she probably went through like the legs of a disciple to like reach, you know, Jesus' hymn. You know, we, we think of it as like a cute little felt board, like, oh, there's the little girl that touched Jesus. Like, there were throngs of people. She's on her knees. She had to push through some legs to touch Jesus. Didn't even touch him. Just touched the hem of his garment. And it said that it healed her. And then she let go. <laughs> She's like, I'm done. I'm out of here before anybody notices me. And Jesus says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Somebody touched me. <laughs> you know what the disciples' response were? Um, Jesus, look around. Everybody's touching you. You know what Jesus really meant what? Somebody's pursuing me in a way that nobody else is. Everybody just wanted to be at the party and be a, have a selfie with me and show me on Instagram, hey, look, Jesus. And this lady wanted nothing to do with that. She just wanted to experience the goodness of God. So she touched the hem of the garment and it healed her because her faith in Jesus, she was willing to do what nobody else was willing to do. Are we as a church, are you as an individual willing to do what nobody else is willing to do to show God's love to the world around them? And for everybody that looks different, I can't tell you, like there's not a cookie cutter way of saying, will you do what nobody else is doing to reach people that nobody else is reaching? That's individual. That, that is you going, God, how will you use me today? So what do we learn from Zacchaeus in doing what go, we'll do anything short of sin to reach people for Christ? Here's what we learn. Pointing people to Jesus starts with seeing them. You can't point people to Jesus when you don't notice people. Anybody get really uncomfortable when somebody stands outside of Walmart with a sign? Help. <laughs> don't crash. Why? Because, because inside of us, it, it, as much as we're like, I, I don't stop at every homeless person. I, I, listen, I just saw a family at Walmart. They're like, need help. I'm like, not today. And that sounds wrong. But if we helped everybody, we would be poor ourselves, right? So I, I listen to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit says, stop and help, I stop and help. When the Holy Spirit says, go buy groceries, I stop and I go buy groceries. When, when the Holy Spirit tells me and unctions me, but it doesn't do it every single time, right? And so it's, it's not that I'm, but, but the reality is, is that uncomfortableness is because in, in us as Christians, it is to want to help people. We can't help people that we don't see. 
like Zacchaeus, Jesus, he could have totally missed him if he was just walking with his disciples. Hey, we're part of the parade. What's up? It says that Jesus looked up and saw Zacchaeus. The first point of anything with, with pointing people to Jesus is that we have to look up and see him and see the people around us. The, the, the second thing is we got to point them to a personal savior, not a religious gathering. It's got to be more than just come to church with me. It's got to be, hey, listen, here's, here's my testimony. Here's how Jesus saved me. Here's, here's what Jesus has done. Hey, come to a life group with me. Hey, come to my house and, and let's have dinner. Let's go to lunch. Let's do life together. I want to point you to the Savior that has changed my world. I wrote this down, and maybe it'll make sense to you. Maybe it won't. But I would rather be a doorman than a security guard any day. Here's what I mean. You go to fancy places, they got a doorman, right? What does he do? He opens the door, makes sure you feel welcomed. Places like Disney World and Disneyland, they say stuff like, welcome home. It's the greatest feeling in the world when somebody goes, welcome home, Bodenhammer family. You better believe that. <laughs> welcome home. <laughs> I would rather be a doorman for the kingdom than a security guard. Right? Try to get up on my stage. Come on, Junior. Try to get up on my stage. Come on. Try to get, no, uh, uh, no, no, no. You can't, you don't look right. You're not dressed right. Get, uh, get off my stage. Right? <laughs> He's like, I don't want to hurt you. <laughs> Just got to be lower than him. By the way, that's a football to get lower. But listen, isn't this how we treat church sometimes? You're not ready. <laughs> You're not ready for church. You don't look right. You don't play the part. You know, ah. I'd rather our church have a bunch of people that are like, welcome home. Come on in. No matter how you look, no matter what background you have, no matter, listen, oh, you just, you just had like five beers, come on in. You're still struggling, welcome to the crew. Because we're not here to clean you up, Jesus is. My job is not to keep you out until you look right. My job is to invite you in so that Jesus can do what only he can do, which is to get into the very core of why are you the way you are and why does, what does he want to give you? His purpose, his love, his peace, his grace. He will work out all the things that don't look like him. I promise you. But if we're not sitting at the door and welcoming and we're keeping people out, us four no more. No. Kingdom's going to be full of people. I want it to start now. I'd rather be a doorman than a security guard any day. And the last thing we learn from, that, from Zacchaeus is this. Real moments with Jesus changes people. Zacchaeus could have chose to go to any synagogue he wanted. But it was when Jesus recognized him in that moment and said, Zacchaeus, come down, we're going to have dinner. Did he say, Zacchaeus, we're going to go have a Bible study first. Zacchaeus, I need you to come to church and listen to a three-point message about salvation, and then we can go have dinner. No, he said, Zacchaeus, let's get to know each other. Come down and let's have a relationship together. Let's, let's bond together. And it was at that time when Zacchaeus went uh, and brought Jesus to his house and they had a meal together. And I'm sure it was an amazing conversation. Those are one of those things. I get to heaven, I want to, Zacchaeus, what did Jesus tell you? Because think about this. A rich man who has made his money off of being a tax collector looks at Jesus after the meal and says, if I have wronged anybody, I'll give back four times what I have wronged them. 
and I'll make sure I give half. So, so think about this. He has all this money. The first thing he says is, half of my belongings going to the poor right now. Off the top, half. Now, out of the other half that I'm keeping, if I've ever wronged anybody, I'm gonna give them back four times what I've wronged them. In other words, God, you have poured so much into me that whatever this value is on earth, I'm willing to give it away to build your kingdom here. We'll do anything short of sin to reach people for Christ. There are all sorts of people waiting to meet Jesus, you, the Jesus you have fallen in love with. I wanna end with this story. Um, a lot of you know who Laura Rains is here in town. If you've met her, you love her. She's bubbly, and maybe, maybe you don't like bubbly people, then maybe you need to be in an arm length from Laura, okay? Laura's bubbly. She is a go-getter. She, ah, she loves people. She has this rule, and I love it. I'm not saying I'm good at this rule. I just love the rule. So I wanted to share it with you about this. Because how do you get people to know Jesus? You get to know people. She has a rule that every day she is going to introduce herself to a new person. So I think it's been like the last five years, every day. Every day. She has gone out and, and, and just, in, like, she's not hunting them like, mm, you look like somebody I could meet. That's creepy. Literally just in her day-to-day, pumping gas, there's somebody at the gas station. Hi, I'm Laura. What's your name? Well, I'm so-and-so. Cool. And she'll tell them, like, she is like, it's not a secret. She'll tell people, hey, I just want to let you know, like, my, I, my goal is to try to meet somebody new every single day. You're my new person today. Do you live here in Camden? Where do you work at? And maybe it's like a three-minute conversation, but she got to meet somebody. And then next time that maybe they see, it's, it's like, oh, remember so-and-so, da 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 I'm just like, that is really cool. Because culture says, keep your eyes down, just go through your life, get through, get to, from point A to point B. Don't stop. If you stop, then there's inconveniences. And Jesus is all about the inconvenience. Jesus is all about the pumping gas and looking around and going, I wonder what that person does. Hi, Scott. What's your name? Cool. What do you do? I mean, you're already pumping gas. You got five minutes to kill. Well, it's, it's better than looking at that dollar sign that keeps going up and up. Might as well make it invested. Or walking through Walmart like Miss Linda has done before, and she's walking, and, 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 and God says, stop and pray for the worker. That's creepy. But when God unctions you to do something, you do it, there's a blessing there. And she starts to pray for that lady, and the lady goes, oh, my gosh, I needed that so much. Can I pray for you? What will you do to build kingdom of God? Will you pray with me? What will you do? My prayer today is that God would really challenge us. I believe these are two challenging points. What will you do short of sin to reach people for Jesus? And how will we shift our life to live from a position of what we're against to what we are for? Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, you know what, I just, let's start at the basic beginning. I'm like Zacchaeus and I just need to see Jesus. And if you're sitting here and you're like, man, I just need to see Jesus. I need to have a moment with Jesus. Maybe you've walked away from him. Maybe you've never decided to follow him in the first place. That's you this morning and you're saying, I need to go I need to have a relationship with Jesus that I haven't had. 
Nobody's looking around. Would you raise your hand and would you, so I could pray for you? Amen. Amen. You know, here's the greatest part. They, they call it the sinner's prayer. It's really simple. It's really a, a, a disciple's prayer to say, I choose to follow Jesus. As a church, would you, would you repeat this after me? Would you say, dear Jesus, I choose you because you chose me. You lived and died on a cross for all of my sins and asked me to follow you. Thank you for wiping my sins away. Help me to live out your love and what you're for. In Jesus' name. Man, that prayer just invites you into the family. It's the beginning place. It's the jump off place. And now you've got actions to take, which is what are you going to do to cultivate that belief and that life in you? Maybe you need prayer this morning. One of the things that we are developing as a prayer team, Miss Nancy is, is uh, on, the, on the side over here. I'm up here. Come see one of us after service if you need prayer. We would love nothing more to invest some time with you in praying for something that you're walking through. Maybe it's a decision. Maybe it's a work thing. Maybe it's a family thing. If, if you need prayer, come see us. But God, I pray for each and every person here. God, that we would go and we would live out this life that is amazing for you. And what the gospel says is the good news. God, help us to see people the way that you see Zacchaeus. That in everyday life, we just have these opportunities where we could point them to you. And, and, and sometimes it's inviting them to church. Sometimes it's inviting them to lunch. That Jesus, that we would not be security guards of the kingdom, but we would be doormen. Inviting and welcoming them into the most greatest decision they could ever make, which is to follow after you. Father, I pray that you would build us up and, and, and develop us to follow your heart before culture, before politics, before religious thought process. God, we follow your heart. We dive into your word. We dive into your time with prayer. Jesus, that we would focus in on you and we know that from that, our sins and our struggles and the things that we have a hard time with, we know that they will, they will fall away at the foot of the cross. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.